Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. What are the things in your life right now that are just so hard and so challenging that, that, I mean, really in your heart of hearts, you think they're ruining your life. They're thinking you're holding your life back. They think you're holding your legacy back. But what we realize in the scripture, what we realize from this story is that it's those challenges that actually enhance, enhance all those things. It's like this. Let me give you this formula. Evil plus you plus God equals good. But evil plus you equals bad. And it's really a matter of if you're going to invite God into that challenge that you're facing. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Throughout history, people have longed to understand what God's will is for their life. We often struggle with difficult questions and decisions related to our families, careers, our hopes and dreams, and our futures. Sometimes when faced with challenges and hardships in life, our faith can be tested and it becomes hard to understand what God wants us to do. Fortunately for us, the Bible offers many great lessons and encouragement to help us through these difficult times. One great example can be found in the life of Joseph. In this sermon series, we'll be examining the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis to uncover the main theme of God's faithfulness even when life doesn't go our way. Please enjoy the message. Back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived, and Israel said, I am convinced. He saw the, the evidence that supported the message. My son Joseph is still alive, and I will go and see him before I die. There's a common practice throughout the scriptures that you'll see in which a message is shared and evidence is offered. One of the great examples of this is the resurrection of Christ. Jesus appears. People go and tell about him. Specifically, Mary Magdalene goes and tells the other disciples about Jesus. They're stunned. They don't believe her. But then they go and they examine the evidence. One of the greatest apologetics of the Christian faith for why you need to believe in the Christian faith is found in the resurrection. You didn't see it, but it's recorded for us. Whether it is the condition of the tomb, the soldiers that were at the, at the tomb, and then somehow, some way, they weren't there, and then the body comes out of the tomb, or it could even be the changed lives of the disciples. Again and again and again, when it comes to the Christian faith, there is a message that is often stunning, but then there is proof that leads to our belief. And it's that same principle that is found here with Jacob and he, when he receives the news of Joseph. So Jacob, Israel, set out with all that was his when he reached Beersheba. He offered sacrifices to God, the God of his father, Isaac. The one thing that Jacob does not want to do at this point in his life is leave the will of God. He knew that Canaan was God's land. This was a land that was promised to his family, but he doesn't want to miss out on it. It seems like if he's going to leave, he's going to miss out on this land. So he's a little bit worried. So here's what happens. So God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And so God speaks to him here. This is, this is the last time that God will speak to his people until we see Charlton Heston on a mountainside talk, listening to a burning bush. Like for 430 years, there's nothing. For, this is the last moment. And what does God have to say? Jacob, Jacob. There are only four instances in the Bible in which somebody's name from God is mentioned twice. It's Jacob, Abraham, Saul, Saul of Tarsus, and then you've got Samuel, whenever he is called. And each one of those people are at a crossroads in their life. 
Something's going to change. Something's going to be different. Jacob, Jacob. Here I am, he replied. I am the God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. And you have to be a great nation because a couple hundred of you is not going to be able to conquer Canaan. But this is your land. Go there, you'll come back a million strong, and then you're going to conquer this land. But you got to go there. And I will go down to Egypt with you, which is what Jacob wanted to hear. And I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand, his own hand will be there and he will close your eyes. Jacob takes risk, but he doesn't want to risk being outside of God's will. And God is confirming in this moment, I am with you as you're on this journey to Egypt. Going on to verse five, then Jacob left Beersheba and Israel's sons took their father Jacob and their children and their wives in the carts that Pharaoh had sent to transport him. So Jacob and all his offspring went to Egypt, taking with them their livestock possessions they had acquired in Canaan. And Jacob brought with him to Egypt his sons and grandsons and daughters and granddaughters and all his offspring. If you've got a Bible open, some of you do, you're going to see at that point right there a long list of names. If you open up your Bible or you just flip through it on your phone, scroll through it, you're going to see names in periodic places. Why are those names there? It's because those people matter to God. It's because you matter to God. Every individual matters to God. That Jesus didn't just come to die and save a nation. He came to die and save you. If you should so choose to believe in him. I mean, what a legacy that would be just to have your name written in the Bible. But you know what's even better than that? In the book of Revelation, everyone who's called on the name of Jesus and has believed in him will have their name written in the book, the Lamb's book of life into all of eternity. And that, that is something that we see here in these scriptures and we learn is that God cares about everybody. Everyone matters. That's why those names are there. So Jacob sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen. And when they arrived in the region of Goshen, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And as soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his Jacob has with death. As you read through the story again and again, Jacob's saying, now I'm ready to die. Now I'm ready to die. Now I can die. But he has 17 more years to live. You know what we learn here? Is you might think you're done, but God's not done with you. You might think you're done in that community. You might think you're done in that workplace. You might think that you're done, maybe even with that family, but God's not done with you there. And you need to hunker down. You need to stick with it. And maybe you need to even see what it is that can come of that. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. 
So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program. A great example of that is a woman who just recently passed away from our church. And she passed away rather suddenly. Her name's Irene Smith. Irene Smith, at the age of about 58 created a printing business. And it wasn't printing like uh, mailers and flyers. If you do that, that's great. But she would actually print uh, decals that would go on the side of rockets that go into space. Like who has a vision for that? So at the age of like in her late 50s, she has this vision to, to create these decals and, and some other items as well. But, but whenever you see an Amazon rocket go off into space and on the side of it is a logo before it gets burned off into the atmosphere, like that logo is something she created. In her late 50s, she creates this business. In her early 60s, she's on this national uh, news network and I've seen the picture in which there are cameras all around and she's being interviewed. It was six, she was 63. And, I, and I, she shows me this picture and I said, Irene, I said, you're 63. Did you know that you would still be doing this at 87? She said, no, but the Lord did. And then I looked around her office where that picture was and there was scripture, 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 Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse. She said, I'm just doing this for God. People would have thought she was done, but God thought she was just getting started. And then she let me tour around her facility. She has this huge, all these different types of machinery and, and whatnot there. And, and I met her staff. Most of her staff had been with her for over a decade because she was so good to them. She shared the blessing. She didn't try to get rich and wealthy off of it. She just wanted to help and bless and serve other companies and also serve her employees and honor God in the process. And she's got an incredible legacy because of that. It's a legacy that points towards Christ and it's a legacy of all the blessing that she offered to others. There's a man named John Maxwell. He was a, he's written many books on leadership, but he said, if you wanna be successful, leave your family with a lot of stuff. But if you wanna have a legacy, leave people with not with a lot of things from you, but with some stuff that you put in them. And his point in that quote is like, you got to put things in people. And Irene was one of those people. And my point here is with Jacob is that Jacob keeps thinking it's the end of his life, but there's still a lot more to give. He's got a lot of years left. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him before Pharaoh. And this is like one of those moments in scripture where you just wish there was more detail and there's just not. But after Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, how old are you? Because the Egyptians were fascinated with age. They thought that the oldest someone could get to was 110 years old. And here is, here is Jacob. And so Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my pilgrimage are 130 my years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my father. What's interesting about that is, first off, he's lived so long, but also that he sees himself as a sojourner. This isn't his home. He knew that there was a place to go, a place to be after this. And then Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh didn't bless Jacob. Pharaoh is a footnote to Jacob because of Jacob's faithfulness towards the end of his life, and he went out from his presence from there. People People should want the blessing that is in your life. And if you're around them 
and you're sharing some of that blessing, you're not being hoarding it and being greedy with it, if you're sharing that blessing in different ways, like people want that, and Pharaoh wanted what Jacob had. And so Jacob lived, going on 28, in Egypt 17 years, and the years of his life were 147 years. And when the time drew near for Israel to die, he called for his son Joseph, and he said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt. But when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. I will do as you say, Joseph says. Swear to me, said. Then Joseph swore to him and Israel worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. In the next chapter, you see this blessing because Joseph had married an Egyptian. So he wasn't going to be one of the part of the 12 tribes, but his sons were Manasseh and Ephraim. And so they had Joseph's blessing divided up between them. That's why Joseph isn't one of the 12 tribes of Israel, but Ephraim and Manasseh are. And then we, verse 33, we read of Jacob's death. When Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew up his feet into his bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. This is one of the first references in the Bible, probably the first reference in the Bible to an afterlife that Jacob was gathered to his people because he knew that this was not all that there was. And then his brothers, Joseph's brothers, were nervous of what would happen to them because their father had died. And look at what Joseph says. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in this place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What perspective that was. The Archbishop William of Canterbury, William Temple, he said this, of this particular passage, to return evil for good is devilish, to return good for good is human, but to return good for evil is divine. And in this moment, Joseph is expressing divine forgiveness to his brothers. And then we come to the end of Joseph's life. He stayed in Egypt along with his father's family and he lived 110 years. He saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. And then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath. And they said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. Because Joseph had faith. He had faith that this wasn't all that there was and where he was wasn't where he was gonna stay. And so Joseph died at the age of 110. And after that, they embalmed him, placed him in a coffin in Egypt. And eventually, over 400 years later, he would make it back into the promised land. But what do we learn from this as it relates to legacy? There's a few things. The first thing as it relates to legacy, for those of you that are young, is that forethought will guide your legacy. You have to think ahead. Joseph was thinking about getting his family situated in Goshen so they would thrive and they would grow. He was thinking about reconciling with his brothers and how he would respond to them and how he would treat them once those interactions began to happen. He, he was thinking down the road of what it was going to be like when his father was gone. Everything he did was setting up for the end of the story that would set up the people of Israel to eventually make it back to the land of Canaan because he knew the promises so that way they could take it. But they, he knew they needed a place to thrive. His legacy is based so much on his forethought. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. 
I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, We wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. You know what I found, though, with many of us? Is that we don't think about things like that until the doctor says, I'm sorry, it's cancer. We don't think much about things down the road, what we really are leaving behind, until the doctor says, you're on a list and you're going to need a transplant. It's kind of like the story of uh, Tug McGraw and his, and his son, Tim McGraw. Tug, Tug had nothing to do, he's a former professional baseball player, he had nothing to do with Tim until the very end of his life. When the doctor went to Tug and he said, you've only got three weeks to live. Now through some uh, different procedures they did, he was able to live for nine months, but he went to, he went to Tug and he said, you gotta, you, you gotta get your affairs in order. And so much of Tug's legacy now isn't baseball, even though he's a professional player. It's not the family even that he left behind. It was how his legacy now is how he acted, at least in that last little bit of his life with his son. It was kind of immortalized in a song. Some of you have heard it, Live Like You're Dying. I'll read you the lyrics, but I'm not singing. I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper. I spoke sweeter. I gave forgiveness. I've been denying And he said, someday, I hope, son, you get the chance to live like you are dying. And that when you live like that, like you're living a legacy. I mean, you're going to leave a legacy no matter what, but like now you're leaving a legacy that's worth talking about. So what if we began to live like that before the doctor said you've only got a few months to live? What if we began to live like that before they said you're on a transplant list? What if we lived like that before they said, hey, you're going to have to get some treatments or you're not going to make it? What if we just began to live like that and we decided to have that kind of, well, legacy, that Christ-centered legacy. And as you live for him, there's these secondary impacts of our life that ultimately live on beyond us. The second thing that we see after you, the forethought is this, is that challenges will enhance legacy. I mean, that's what he said in Genesis 50, verse 20. He said, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. What are the things in your life right now that are just so hard and so challenging that, that, I mean, really in your heart of hearts, you think they're ruining your life. 
They're thinking you're holding your life back. They think you're holding your legacy back. But what we realize in the scripture, what we realize from the story is that it's those challenges that actually enhance, enhance all those things. It's like this. Let me give you this formula. Evil plus you plus God equals good. But evil plus you equals bad. And it's really a matter of if you're going to invite God into that challenge that you're facing. You know, it's like this. We, we had a daughter, unfortunately, she recently, uh, she broke her elbow. And, and we knew that. And we were saying to ourselves, oh, we're praying, this, we're praying like, please don't need surgery. Please don't need surgery. Please don't need surgery. Please spare her of surgery. But then she still has to go through surgery, even though she's eight. Sometimes God doesn't spare you the surgery. He spares you in the surgery. And sometimes he doesn't spare you from the cancer. He spares you in, in the cancer. And sometimes he doesn't spare you from the bankruptcy. He spares you in the bankruptcy. And sometimes he doesn't spare you from the divorce. He spares you as you're working through it. And why? Is this a purification process as the fire comes upon you. Because you don't always get spared the fire, but you get spared in the fire. It's like metal. You know, you purify the metal from the heat and all the, all the, all the toxins and the things that aren't pure are, are removed. Isn't that what challenges do for us? They purify us. That's what they did with Joseph. That's what they do with us. The last thing we see here in legacy, and I'll leave you with this, is that faith will complete your legacy. You know, again, I've sat in a lot of, a lot of funerals and there's a big difference between a funeral of somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus and a funeral of somebody who does. And they might have still lived a good life, but if you don't believe in Jesus, they, there's a different grieving that takes place because you don't have hope in the end of the story. I mean, think about Joseph again from Hebrews chapter, after chapter 11, verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. What was significant about that is he believed that they weren't going to stay in Egypt, even though it was going to take 400 plus years for his bones to be brought back to Canaan. But he had faith in what God had promised. You can have faith too in the end of the story if you want. It's a man named General uh, Jim Stockdale. He was a POW in Vietnam for, for eight years. And in the course of those eight years, he went through 20 different intense and extreme moments of torture. Um, and it was those instances of torture that would ultimately cause him to have a severe limp, lose uh, mobility and functionality of one of his arms. But the story is actually told in a Jim Collins book as Jim would interview uh, Jim Stockdale. And he would ask him how it was that he was able to survive such torturous conditions. And Jim Stockdale had a lot of responsibility because even as a, even as a prisoner of war, you still have a hierarchy there amongst the other soldiers, soldiers. And he had a lot of responsibility. He had to keep the morale high. He had to help as many of them live and make it to the next day as possible, even as he was dealing with his own issues. And so Jim Collins asks him, he says, how are you able, how are you able to live and make it through all that? And the general said, I never lost hope in the end of the story. I always knew we would win. I always knew I'd be freed. And I knew that that was the only thing I could believe if I was ever going to make it. And that's exactly what happened. And Jim Collins said, well, who were the guys that didn't make it? And he said, well, those were the guys that kept thinking they were going to get rescued in a week or a month. 
And he said, I, I, did, I wasn't in denial about the reality and the brutality of my situation. I just knew eventually one day, even though it took eight years, I would be freed and I never lost hope in the end of the story. And that's what I want to present to you. Joseph never lost hope in the end of the story. We see this throughout his life. And, and if you want to have that legacy, if you want to leave something behind that points beyond you, if you want to be somebody that like literally 20 years, Martha Irvin passed away. Like some, like people could still talk about you. Well, you need to have hope in the end of the story. You need to make sure that you keep living for Jesus. And as we talk about all of this, we're going to have a time of communion here in a moment. And I think in this time of communion, we can reflect on the fact that it was the challenge of him being betrayed, crucified, buried, ultimately resurrecting and ascending. But it was in the midst of all that, that his legacy was firmly imprinted. And we remember that every single time we take communion, that he received what we deserved. And we thank him for that. Now, as we reflect on his sacrifice, because we get to receive what it is that he deserves. Um, which is forgiveness and grace and a hope and a future. So let's have a word of prayer and take these next few moments to reflect and to take this time of communion. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for what you've given us in Jesus. Pray, Lord, that we would continue to live um, for you. And God, may, may our legacies not point towards us, but point towards your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.